You're listening to the Miniature Podcast. My name is Ryan, and I'm the Useless Wizard. Today's guest is Chris Bello. Those of you who have been in the miniature community on YouTube for a while will know Chris from Mini Wargame and his own series, Way of the Brush. Chris's perspective on art from his canvas painting and his history in the miniature community gives him some really great insights and perspective. I hope you enjoy the interview. Welcome back to the Miniature Podcast. Today's guest is Chris Bello. How's it going, Chris? It is going well. Excellent. Uh, first, I want to just... Yourself. I'm doing great. Thank you. Awesome. Uh, I just want to start off by saying thank you for taking the time to come on to the Miniature Podcast. I really appreciate it. Uh, well, thank you for inviting me. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Awesome. So, uh, for people who... For the rare person who might not, not know who you are, uh, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do in the miniature co- hobby right now? Who I am. I am Chris Bello. I have um, been in this hobby. I usually equate it to around 88, uh, 1988, um, that I got into this hobby. Uh, a lot of people might be familiar with my work with mini wargaming. Uh, I was uh, their uh, painting tutorial instructor for since 2011 i believe till 2019 i think yeah that's about it and uh yeah so many people might be familiar with my work with mini wargaming uh before that i you know maintained a blog and you know it was pretty low-key kind of thing it wasn't you know you know um noteworthy or anything like that i just posted whatever i was working on kind of stuff but, uh, yeah, um, that's really in a nutshell. And I've just continued the work that I was doing when I was, uh, working for mini wargaming as, but now I'm independent and, uh, basically I work for my patrons. Awesome. How did you get into painting miniatures and wargaming? What's, what's your origin story there? The origin story. It's uh, a truck fell on me and it was radioactive carrying toxic waste and, no, it um, makes sense. Um, I've had a history of artistic endeavors since I was a young fella. Uh, I attribute it to my mother getting me into art, and uh, I was I'm a big I'm a big fan of movies. And back in '86, Aliens had come out, the second Alien film, with the Marines and you know, and they're fighting in the corridors and stuff like that. And I was already into model kits, World War II, and I was getting into, like, sci-fi and Star Trek. I had a bunch of the Star Trek kits. And um, I moved up north. Well, northern, uh, well, Quebec, it's north of Ontario. I, mean, I live in Canada. And um, I had older cousins who, um, you know, who I kind of looked up to and everything like that. And they were playing this game. Didn't know what it was had all these little models, these little men, and they had this little battlefield set up, and I had no idea what this was. I was like, what is this? This was, this was around 88. Mm-hmm. Um, and afterwards, you know, I was emulating what they were doing by creating my own little table, and I had my own action figures, and you know what I mean? Like, just emulating what they were doing, because I, you know, I looked up to them. And um, I saw the box for Space Hulk, 
in a local hobby store and I begged my mom to uh, buy me that uh, box because it had a marine on the cover and there was these jeans suits coming down the hallway at him and I had no idea what the jeans suits were it was just aliens it was a, it was a guy in armor and an alien coming down the hallway to, ready to attack him I was in I was sold I was in I was already in I was you know that that's my jam because uh, I loved aliens right and started playing the game with my friends, stuff like that. And then started getting into it. And I started reading about the lore. And then I started painting the models because I liked how they looked in the pictures. I started buying white dwarves. And then um, I went on a trip to Florida. And I went to a hobby shop. And they had the Road Trader rule book. And I said, like, oh, yeah, I think I've seen that before. And opened it up. And, yeah, it had all the stories about the Blood Angels. And, you know, it had all the rules. and had all the things about the Space yeah. Marines. And, the, you know, all that stuff. I was in. I was in. And, yeah. And so then I started buying more models. And... You know, and I actually was buying more Games Workshop models and Raul Partha and uh, a couple other brands of miniatures of Battletech and stuff like that. And um, I had no idea, you know, I just, I was buying whatever looked cool to me and I was using whatever paints I could get my hands on. I was using like testers, enamels and Raul Partha acrylics, Citadel paints, hobby craft dollar store paint you know what i mean and like just whatever i can get my hands on whatever i had extra money for it that kind of thing and uh yeah and of course uh, one of the early lessons i learned was you don't mix uh water-based acrylics with enamel paints because it just doesn't work <laughs> but that that's uh, basically uh the beginnings of my um journey into this hobby so uh it was really i i always equated to uh space hulk being the gateway to this hobby for me and over the many many years that i've been in this hobby uh because i used to play like D and stuff like that as you know you branch out into other things mm -hmm. and other interests and um i always you know it's always space hulk was first then 40k and, and all that stuff and um i've always been kind of gw centric as far as my hobby is concerned i've done other stuff but yeah it's been mostly a G games workshop side of things yeah, it's interesting when people tend to be exposed to a, a miniatures company, be it Reaper or uh, GW or one of the other companies, it seems like they tend to really focus on that. Um, and it is, whether it's for, you know, Reaper and D&D &D or another company in D&D &D or, or Games Workshop and 40K or Privateer Press in War Machine or Hordes, it just it kind of be, tends to be the, the, their main focus. Um, speaks a lot of like brand brand loyalty, I guess. But uh, writ yeah. written games. Oh, oh, definitely, yeah. As you progressed oh. and uh, continued to you know start painting more and more and more, what what brought you to the point of doing tutorials and teaching others how to paint? Because I, I assume. I mean, I assume that you started at Mini Wargaming because you were, you fit a need that they had at that time. Um, what brought you to that point where you felt confident in teaching people? Um, well, I mean, in my gaming group way back in the day, uh, I was the one who kind of got a lot of people into the hobby, mm -hmm. playing, you know, Warhammer 40,000 and other stuff. And I was already at that point, um, fairly competent in painting and, you know, um, because, uh, all through elementary and high school, 
and you know and i went to college for art uh i've always had a bit of an art background not a bit but it's dominated most of my my life and uh i've enjoyed it i've 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 had this knack for uh sharing information conveying information uh and helping people and that is really one of the things i really enjoy is helping people and uh, so back, way back in the day, I was, you know, showing my friends how to paint. And then, of course, you know, they're starting, as they learn, they start to show me things. And then, of course, you know, it's all becomes, you know, one-upmanship one kind of thing. And we're all, you know, kind of competing amongst ourselves sort of thing. And yeah. um, it, it just spurs that on. And by the time um, Mini Wargaming was hiring their painter, who was already... Um, you know, creating tutorials, uh, my cousins, uh, he's Epic Duck Mike, mm -hmm. uh, on, on Twitch here. And, uh, he had left, he was leaving. And so they, you know, obviously they had, um, a role to fill. And so they were taking applications. I had already been down to mini wargaming. Cause at the time I was living in Northern Ontario and, uh, where mini wargaming is, is in Southern Ontario in the Niagara area. And, uh, you know, I, w I had already come down for like a couple events and I had gotten to talk with uh, Matt and Dave and, you know, uh, kind of not really knew them at the time, but, you know, we were familiar. And so when they were, uh, when the call went out for them to looking for a, a painter to do tutorials, I thought, well, I could do that. You know? Sure. And I mean, no, the worst they could say is, uh, no, not good enough. Not really what we're looking for. Right. And uh, as it turned out, I was uh, the right fit at the time and it worked out and yeah. And, uh, I was initially working remotely. So I was still living up, up in Northern Ontario, um, which is about like nine hour drive away, really mm -hmm. essentially what it is. And, um, I had, I'd mentioned that, you know, like, uh, when they initially hired me, it was uh, with the potential of being full time and possibly moving down this way. And I had already at the time considered, you know, possibly coming down this way. Because I actually I was born and raised um, in Southern Ontario. I'm, I'm from London, Ontario, and um, I had had a conversation with Matt. Like, you know, let's you know let's 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 ramp up production. I know I can make more videos because at the time I was only doing like maybe four videos a month kind of thing. It was really really low production, and I had, we had this conversation that you know let's let's ramp up production. Let's you know let's move me to full time. I'll, I'm willing to move down there. I've got my things packed already. And, you know, and I, and they had a quick chat and that later that day we were already, yeah, let's do it. And so, yeah, packed up my things and moved to Beverly kind of thing. It's a really cool, straightforward, um, but really cool story. Just. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's not like, you know, it was uh serendipitous or, right. or you know, it wasn't like, uh, you know, uh, the, the three wise men following the star yeah. or, you know what I mean? Like it wasn't anything like that. It was it's, just, yeah, we were looking for a guy. Yeah. I'm a guy, you know? Yeah. And so it's not necessarily the right time, right place. It's just kind of like, Hey, uh, we need this person with skills. Like, Oh, I have those skills. Great. You know? Yeah. It's, I, it's, I, and I, I, I never asked. I have no idea how many people applied, hmm. you know? Uh, so I mean, I'm sure my head would have ballooned if they said, yeah, we had like a hundred applicants. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, 
because at the time uh, mini wargaming was still relatively new but they were mm -hmm. they were uh, becoming very very fast popular right they were becoming very popular on youtube and um yeah and so you know like they, they were they were definitely becoming a name at the time yeah and it was still early in that and yeah it was just kind of right time right place kind of thing you know I, i'm i consider myself very very fortunate to have been part of of that and in that history and you know i even to be able to do this right now and you know be able to you know do this right now today with you know thanks to my patrons that you know um i can continue to uh, pay pay bills and continue to inform and educate and sometimes entertain that's awesome so now with where you are uh where do you find your inspiration when you're no, you're working on your own projects, not necessarily for your tutorials or anything like that, because I'm sure people can go out and watch all your tutorials. And there's very well thought out reasons behind why you're doing that tutorial at the time. But when you're working on your own projects or um, something, you, you know, you, when you are struck by inspiration. Where does that come from for you? Inspiration is is always a tough one because... A lot of people, especially artists, suffer from this a lot. It's it's in part procrastination where you kind of sit around and you're just waiting for inspiration. Like inspiration is some sort of mystical energy that's going to zap you and, you know, the light of God kind of thing and just bring you to, and, and in, you know what I mean? And, oh, I'm going to create this great thing. Yeah. Your muse strikes and, you. Yeah, and it, it that isn't the case in my experience. And I've been painting miniatures for 30 years. And, um, that is not the case. I, when I was a younger man in my teens, I thought that way. And I quickly realized that, no, it's not, that's not the case. And because I've done commission painting as well in the past. And it, that anybody who does commission painting, you just have to sit down and knuckle through it. You know, you can't wait for inspiration. You have to, you know, you have to have a good work ethic to do that. Right. <laughs> Excuse me. And, um, inspiration one of my favorite quotes from is from picasso inspiration finds us when we're working and i've always taken that to be um sit down start noodling away on something and then something will strike i'll get an idea for something i'll i'll think of either a video or you know, a particular way of doing something or, you know, um, so for example, and when I'm really, my, my big thing is, is that I create a lot of tutorials and I get bored fairly easily. And I don't like repeating myself too often, even though I flop my gums lots, but, um, whenever I'm trying to demonstrate something in a tutorial, I always try to look for another way of demonstrating it because anybody who's listened to me, you know, talk for any length of time knows that I often tell people that there are many ways to an end result. It's not just in painting. There's not just one way of getting something done. There's many ways to an end result that are very, very similar, if not the same. Yeah. And, you know, and so when I'm demonstrating th things in painting videos, I often will demonstrate, you know, if I got, if I'm going to demonstrate painting black, 
well, I'm going to show it a different way than what I did it last time and the 10 other ways I did it last time. So if you compare all the tutorials I've done on painting black, painting white, painting red, painting yellow, they're all very different from each approach that I've shown because, you know, like there are many ways to get things done. Even, even weathering, painting a face, what have you. There are many ways to get something done using different materials, different techniques, and... You know, it's not just one way of getting something done. Short of, no, not even really, I was going to say, short of painting a straight line, but painting even a straight line, you can go about it in a few different ways that are all equally valid and will get you a pleasant result and get the job done, essentially. But yeah, as far as, you know, waiting for that mystical light to shine upon me to be inspiration, an angel in the light Chris, you're going to create this today. Oh, <laughs> that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. And you just got to sit down at your workstation, your little hobby desk, or, you know, whatever it is you, however you get, you know, set up, just sit at your work area. Sometimes even myself personally, um, straightening up my work area, getting all my paints reorganized, cleaning my brushes, cleaning my work surface, start prepping some models and just kind of doing the, the background menial type of stuff while I'm just listening to music. I often just listen to music. I don't listen to podcasts or anything like that. Um, and just doing that kind of stuff. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden ooh, oh no, you'll get an idea. Oh, I should probably go about this. Or you'll be playing with a model and then, oh, I, I, I could probably go about painting like, like this. Or maybe I should try this different technique. Or maybe I can play with some blending. Or You know what I mean? And all of a sudden, your ideas start to flow. And I think it's, uh, I can't remember what it's called, when your brain uh, is doing menial tasks, but then you all of a sudden get a flash of inspiration, a, f a flash of brilliance. And I think it's that kind of thing okay. where you're, you're tied up within a menial task and all of a sudden it's like the shower, getting your best ideas in the shower, right? Because we mm -hmm. all shower and we all have a routine in the shower and you know what I mean? And how many times have we showered? Right. And so it's kind of automatic pilot kind of thing. And then all of a sudden it frees up your brain to go, Oh, what if you, have you tried this? Or what if you did this? And you know, that's really, you know, when those moments of inspiration come is like when you're just kind of doing something menial. So if you want inspiration to occur while you're painting or thinking of a project or what have you be at your station and, you know, just work, be working away on something, even if it's just base coding or, you know, what have you. It's some really good advice. Sometimes I, I do that. <laughs> I, I offer uh, a nugget of information here and there. So is there a, uh, a piece of art or an artist either in miniature painting or outside of miniature painting that um, the, you go back to and reference back to? Not necessarily and try and replicate things, but you go back to just to wonder at them and, and to be... Not inspired for a new project, but just emotionally inspired. Sure. Um, movies, big one for me. Uh, sometimes reading, you know, either, you know, history or fiction, science fiction, uh, even some of the Warhammer novels, stuff like that. Um, and as far as uh, visual artists are concerned, obviously, um, a lot of the Renaissance inspired me. Uh, mainly because of the technical aspects. Uh, I'm a big fan of Leonardo da Vinci. Um, he had, even amidst that time of, of a cultural rebirth, he dared to think of something, a new way to do what they were doing. 
And I, I don't even know how many people actually replicate what Leonardo da Vinci uh, innovated back then, which is basically that he doesn't create an outline and that he paints. He doesn't. He doesn't have outlines. Like if you look at uh, like Michelangelo, you'll see an outline around the figures, mm-hmm. right? You look at like you know God and David and they're touching. You see there's an outline, right? Because that's the way everybody works. Is you work with an outline and then you paint within that, right? Whereas Leonardo da Vinci didn't do that. The light butts right up to an edge, and there's no outline. And so his, you'll see like if you look at like the Mona Lisa, there's no outline to our line work to it. Light is the barrier in which defines the border of, of an object, of a volume, right? <laughs> so, that was a big inspiration. Picasso, uh, another inspiration. Many, many artists. H.R. Uh, Giger, um, famously. Uh, you know, once I started, you know, really getting into art, and, you know, he shows, you know, uh, obviously a darker side of things, and I sure. appreciate that. And then, of course, uh, the grandfather of even my own art style, which is the woodland style of Ojibwe's, uh, is uh, Norval Morso. Uh, he's, the, he's considered the grandfather of the modern woodland uh, art style. And so he, his work heavily influenced my own artwork. And really, I, I still do uh, canvas work and stuff like that, as well as, you know, obviously miniature painting. And the knowledge you gain from painting, you know, pictures and such, you can transfer that knowledge to miniatures, to, you know, auto body, to, you know, many aspects of your, of your artistic expression. But yeah. Um, But I find um, to go off on a different kind of tangent here. um, I often find that with miniature painting, I often debate amongst myself these days, whether or not miniature painting is an art in the same regard as regular visual painting canvas work. Yeah. Or is it more akin to craft more like paint by numbers more, you know, prescribed and confined, right? Art I've always held as being expressive and free and boundless yet. You know, uh, we, I was having a conversation on the Discord, well, earlier today with one of the, the monkeys on, uh, on, on my channel. And he has, uh, he's painting new Necrons. And he had a purity seal on one of his Necrons. And people were giving him flack over that. And I'm like, like, what, 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 what? Like, <laughs> it, no, like, you know, it, it's, no, no. If he wants purity seals on his models, he can put purity seals on his models. You know, like it, it, that, that just kind of thinking is just so narrow and boring. And I can't imagine being that boring, <laughs> but yeah, there's, there's been many artists, uh, who have been an inspiration, uh, many films, um, you know, uh, my tastes are more sci-fi than they are fantasy. I'm more, you know, I'm more Blade Runner and Star Wars. Star Trek than I am Game of Thrones and Lord of the Rings and you know I still love all those things well, I never watched Game of, Game of Thrones but I still love high fantasy but I'm more laser bolts and robots than I am you know elves and tree people <laughs> gotcha talking about whether, whether or not miniatures can be art or not I think it's a really interesting discussion that uh, I, I really enjoy asking people about and 
from from my perspective, uh, it really depends on the on the purpose. Like the, I have seen miniatures that I believe are art because of the way they were posed, because of the way the base was constructed, the message that they're telling. But then, of course, you've got miniatures that are craft, that are you know paint by numbers. Um, or, you know, if it's just for, for, if it's for a game or something like that, then yeah, it's definitely paint by numbers and it's still valid as an, as a creative expression, but I have seen some miniature pieces that I would consider art just because it's mixed medium. They've altered things and there is an emotive response they're trying to get, um, through their piece. Uh, sure. Now. For example, um, there is an emotional response to looking at a really fantastic painted miniature. And it usually is attributed to the wow factor, right? Um, but art, you know, you go to a gallery or anything like that, and, you know, a painting can bring you to tears, can, mm-hmm. come, can enrage you, can bring you joy. And miniature painting, uh, in, in our most common form of just buying miniatures and painting them, they do not evoke that response, right? And so it is very limited, which is why we're unlikely to ever have, you know, miniatures in the Louvre, you know, in the Smithsonian, right? Unless they're altered significantly from the way that we typically present them, I agree with you. But i've I've yeah, seen well, I've seen a couple pieces by Jeremy Bonamont and a couple other people that. Well, some of them are just yeah. He, he's he's one of my favorites. Yeah, and, and, and I'm not talking uh, from on a technical level. I'm talking about the subject matter is emotionally impactful, not just the technical achievement, but the actual subject matter of his diorama. Um. I'll have to, uh, to to find a picture of it. I've mentioned it in other episodes, but I'll I'll send you when I find it. I'll send you a, a copy. I'm sure you've seen it, and um, we can have a discussion on that. But well, fa- famously is it's his Harlequin uh, dreadnought mm-hmm. uh, that that adorns the cover of the um, the guide that he created. I picked mm-hmm. up that one. I have the guide. It's a good book. Um, but yeah, I mean, like. Like all aspects of art, it is highly subjective. Yeah. And, you know, whether or not 50 years from now, you know, I could be completely wrong. And, yeah, we're going to see miniatures in art galleries and stuff like that. Who knows? Who knows where human expression goes? And, but I think really what, what the problem is for me Mm-hmm. As far as as considering like taking miniature painting, painting the little figures seriously as an art form, is that they're they're a three dimensional little canvas, and a canvas can be anything. Who knows what is going to get put onto that canvas? But when we look at a little space room, we know already what is going to get put there for the most part we already know what's going to go whereas on a piece of canvas sky's the limit who knows it could be something that's going to anger you 
repulse you, you know, um, become erotic, joyful, make you laugh. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, who knows? But with miniature painting, it's often just, wow, that's really cool. But big whoop. It's really cool, but not so cool and not so full of expression that it will stand the test of time. Because you look at previous uh, Golden Demon winners mm-hmm. of what one Golden Demon, and it's like, well, standards have changed. And what yep, technical before, standards do change, absolutely. Right? So the technical standards determine the expression. That doesn't sound right. What are, what are the art form determines that? That the technical aspects of, of it determine what's what's art and what is going to occur right <clears throat> we we don't determine in in art competitions which i don't i don't agree with art competitions to begin with mm-hmm. but um in art competitions you know not very often are the actual technical aspects very very closely judged it's often yeah. subject matter and you know what i mean and all these other subjective uh, qualities and of course when it's completely subjective well then what wins one year and the next is is completely up in the air and you know i mean like would we would we praise olympic athletes if on their competitions it was judged subjectively mm-hmm. right it's like putting you know Rembrandt I mean? like next to a monet and next to um, a Van Gogh, they're all incredibly different styles, incredibly different technical executions. And then, you know, you mark down the Monet and the Van Gogh based on, because they're not as technically perfect as the Rembrandt. Like it doesn't make any sense. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, well, yeah, we're talking multiple errors. And- yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. I mean, but when I'm talking about like min- uh, painting competitions and things like that, which I don't agree with miniature painting or art wise to begin with, um, you know, they're completely subjective. There's no metrics for six, for what is a winning piece. And if you go to the Olympics, the guy who runs the fastest, he gets the gold medal. The guy who was second fastest gets the silver, right? That's the metric for success. To be the fastest man on the planet or woman, have the best time. But within art, because it's highly subjective, how how can you determine who is the best painter? Yeah. If it's completely subjective. And if that's if that statistic of the person who won last year and then goes into the competition the following year, well they should be a favorite, right? But because it's highly subjective, that means that he, they could be completely knocked out of the running. Yeah. Just on a whim. That doesn't really make sense. So then what was that skill worth? It wasn't worth a damn. Essentially. Because there's no metric. There's no way to measure uh, the, the subjective qualities of an art competition, which is why they're, they're completely useless. And the, the nature of art competitions are, is quite silly. I don't take them very seriously. I know there's a lot of people out there who absolutely live for you know, art competitions, stuff like that, painting competitions, and especially those miniature painters out there who are you know, wanting to become better painters. Yeah. That's a good aspiration to have. That's, there's no, absolutely nothing wrong with it. And despite whatever I'm saying, continue to do that. 
But personally, in my years of experience in art and miniature painting, I don't really get that worked up over and I don't, you know. Sure. You know. I'm 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 not looking to be the best painter in the world. Because again, it's highly subjective. That that title is meaningless. It is meaningless. No, so I, I think that's a, I think that's a really good perspective. And it's a, it's a perspective that we haven't had anybody like really talk about a whole lot uh on on the podcast. So uh, I definitely appreciate it. and I think you come up you got some really good points um with the subjectivity of art and you know the, how that impacts um how that impacts competition or whether or not we should have competition it's definitely something i think needs to be explored a lot more it just seems that a lot of people by default approve of competitions because it's it's something that's aspirational it's something they can shoot for and i don't th- i wonder if there's not enough discussion about like are these really the best things or what's the, what should the role of these actually be in the, uh, in the hobby? I don't have the answer for that, well, but I think it's a good discussion. It's, it's, it's a, it's, it's a validation. It's a personal validation to the person putting in the effort to become a better painter, whatever. That sure. Is. And it is also in part ego. Uh, a lot of artists tend to be very, have quite a high standing of, they think of themselves quite highly. Um, myself included, I've got a big fat head. Uh, I measured it the other day. It's a 25, 25 inches around. <laughs> I have a hard time fitting a hat. Um, and yeah, it, it's art because art is, is purely human. It's a human expression. And that's why it's completely subjective, right? I've, um, I've put the idea forth of, not calling them painting competition, but showcases or mm-hmm. um, showings and having a best of show. Best of show is, is completely, completely within the realm of to, for somebody to win an award, a plaque, a sword, or whatever. Sure, best of show. They won best of show. Every, they wowed everybody. They had the best technicals. The judges really liked them. Everybody was singing praises about this piece. And, you know, best of show. I, I can stand by that. But saying it's first, second, or third, that it's a competition? No, because a competition um, has to have very strict and coherent guidelines. Mm. And painting competitions don't. Because... Also, the, the, the way a, a competition is judged it is quite subjective and, and, you know, inconsistent. Because how do you, how do you measure uh, uh, coolness, the cool factor, when we can't even define, right, what is cool? You know, how do we define that? What's cool? Yeah. You know what cool is? I have no, I have no idea what cool is. No, I, I think it's a, I think it's a good point. And like I said, I think it's a good discussion to have. And I think it's something we should have more discussion. I definitely like the idea of, of almost having like a gallery show, like yeah. a, a yeah. show at a gallery, kind of like what Crystal Rush used to do and what Resin Beast has done at, at Adepticon, you know, put them, 
put them all up into display cabinets and let everyone ooh and awe over them and, you know, have a, a best in show is not a bad idea at all. Um, but I, I think well, you make... the thing, what I, Well, I was just going to say, what I liked about um, uh, Creature Casters, uh, Resin Beast, was it was very clearly defined what the judges are looking for. Mm-hmm. And so I actually liked the way they they were determining their, and I actually really liked that. And you know, yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's still outside competition. I I still don't like the idea of competition. Mm-hmm. You know, um, in in art, in the Olympics, I'm I'm perfectly hundred percent behind it. In football, I'm perfectly hundred percent behind it. In a contest of you know physical abilities, I'm perfectly fine with the parameters that are currently set for event. Painting, not so much. But maybe because I, it's so personal. But art is. Yeah. Art is personal. Yeah. And you know how many times you slaved away on a model, and then you know you what you showed it to somebody who you thought highly of or their you thought highly of their opinion and they're like meh and you're like oh, oh you feel crushed in a moment in a moment you're crushed you bounce back you rationalize okay maybe they're busy they didn't really pay attention to what i had shown here whatever it is right and you rationalize and, and you calm yourself down mm-hmm. usually if you're an adult you can i there are people out there who who don't do that storm off in a huff but <clears throat> those of us who are adults you know can handle criticism and so yeah um but basically yeah you know what i mean like and it, that happens to everybody who um takes their miniature painting the least bit serious and unfortunately you know with miniature painting there's so many out there who take themselves so seriously and you know it's it's kind of funny to me you know in a ha-ha funny way and yeah. but i mean but i'm also i got to realize also the age of people which i'm dealing with maturity and this hobby where that attracts these individuals myself included early on Almost lack maturity. Sit there and play with your toys. Your little men pretend battlefield. Make pew pew sound. You know what I mean? Like, I do that stuff all the time. Don't get me wrong. You know, don't make me out to be, you know, thinking myself better than anybody else. I do that stuff on a regular basis. I was doing it just longer with this Space Marine motorbike. I was making the motorbike sound, right? <laughs> and, um, but that's the thing though, is, there is a certain level of maturity. And I think whenever this community comes to that point, because realistically, this wargaming community, your painting, um, still really quite young. And, and it, it actually is kind of advantageous that so much, uh, information and how this hobby has matured has come in this age of, the internet and you know information this information age we're in 
And I think that's very interesting. And maybe that's what will spur on a more enlightened type of painting experience. I don't know. Maybe it's wishful thinking. Or maybe it just dies off. Who knows? <laughs> well, we'll we'll see. Yeah, you know, seeing more maturity in the community is definitely something I've seen. I've seen more mature, you know, people growing into a higher level of painting and a, a greater, more widespread appreciation of different types of, of painting styles and encouraging others to, you know, approach things in a more mature way. There's still a long way to go. I agree with you. Absolutely yeah. there. I, I mean, I'm, I... I can sit here and harp on about being mature, but anybody who's really tuned in for my BS knows I'm the least mature person out there. So, yeah. But at least I can recognize that, you know, there is this level that needs to be met, I think, um, because I have been doing art. Art has been a, a large part of my life for so many years, you know. Yeah. And miniature painting, I don't know, maybe it, maybe it is my own body, I suppose. Um, the way maybe I actually, you know, here, here's some self-reflection for you right now. Maybe I'm looking down on miniature painting because I'm holding my own personal art, my canvas, you know, my artist, other forms of expression up higher to a higher standard. I hold it higher because it's much more dear to me mm -hmm. versus miniature painting, right? Maybe I'm, maybe the problem with, my perception of all this, me, that's also a possibility I have considered just now. <laughs> well, it's, a, it's a good realization, and it's a, a good thing to consider. Absolutely. I, think, well, sure. I still I mean, think you, you know, make some really good points. Sometimes. Sometimes I make a good point. Sometimes mm -hmm. I'm talking on my arse. When you were developing, or earlier, or even currently, when you're developing your painting style and and, you know, practicing and getting better. Can you share, like, a couple of Eureka moments that you had, if any? Eureka moments. Um, quite a few years ago, I I was playing with um, Liquitex Fluid. Mm -hmm. And I really wasn't using it for thinning. Um, but I was, you know, using it just to help with the paint flowing. And I found that once I broke the paint down, because I would often glaze, that I'd break it down to a very thin glaze, and I found that it, you know, it would creep very easily into the recesses and leave mm -hmm. the surface unchanged. And it would act like, the, at the time, the early GW shade washes. Yeah. And, and so I ended up you know, playing more and more with that sort of idea. And basically, and I put out a video a while ago, um, you know, basically turning any color you want into a shade wash. And, you know, and, and it was kind of hilarious because then I got invited to uh, England to uh, have a look at um, Citadel's contrast. We got an early look at that. And it was yeah. kind of funny because that's, a, that's essentially what, what they do. They're, you know, they're like the shade washes, but they're clear and, you know, they, you can tint a surface and change the values and, you know, you can do all sorts of fun stuff. But I was already playing with that in a lot of ways and um i don't know if it's really an eureka type of thing 
but yeah, it was when I realized that, you know, basically I could make a shade wash out of any color, out of any, out of any pigment I wanted, metallic ink or regular opaque color, turn it into a shade wash, do it in effect, highlight it, continue to build up layers and you know what I mean? And just continue on like that. Um, yeah, realistically, I mean, any time that I would encounter that kind of moment where something would click was when I was playing with the color. And which is why I often recommend people to play with their paints, play with the colors, experiment, try different things. Because somewhere at some point, it clicks in your brain. Now, I don't know if that's a eureka moment, but that is really where I felt I was doing my best learning was when I was playing with something and I added a color and it also, and it became a color that was like, Oh, that's simply that color. Oh, it's doing that. Oh, it's flowing to here. I see how it's changed. Oh, this color is much better at, you know, glazing out where I find it much better to thin this down. I can blend this out and I have much longer working time with this particular paint and not so much with this other one. And you know what I mean? And it's just, you gain this knowledge from play and that's why it's so important for children to play because that's children basically, you know, do most of their learning before they're seven. And after we're seven, we, you know, don't really cram much more information in. And if we really want, especially for people who are not that comfortable with their miniature painting, I fully encourage you to play, to unlock that little part in your brain, that part where, you know, maturity just wants to go flying out the window and, you know, start playing with your colors and you're going to learn something. You're going to learn what it might be something that you've been chasing for a bit. It might be something completely new, but that's half the fun and that's half the journey and, and, and discovering these things for each of us. And again, because it, art is, you know, a human and subjective. And so I can sit here and tell you how to do things. But until you actually do it yourself, you're not really going to know. You can regurgitate yeah. information you heard. I can sit here and tell you, well, yeah, take black paint and mix it into a metallic and you got yourself black metallic. I can sit here and tell you that. But until you actually try it with different brands of colors and different types of metallic paints, do you actually gain the experience of what you can do and how far you can push it before it stops looking metallic or, you know, vice versa. And so many people out there, I think, are just regurgitating the information. They're not actually experiencing it themselves. And, yeah, it's it's just kind of funny to me that, you know, I see that a lot. That, you know, it's just people just parroting, you know, what they had heard and not speaking yeah. from their own experience. Right? Yeah, I, I'm definitely yeah, guilty I, of that. I, I'm one of those people that uh, I'll... I'll research and I'll research and I'll research and I'll study and I'll study and I'll study and I'll forget to actually do. And, mm. you know, it's, it's the doing where so much of the learning actually happens. And that's something I'm constantly having to remind myself of. Um, well, and, and, and that's the thing is that um, because art and those of us that are attracted to this are, um, we lean kind of artistic and a lot of art, well, it's visual for the most part, painting mm -hmm. being obviously what we're talking about here. And 
a lot of people in this hobby who are into their miniature painting tend to be visual thinkers. You can sit there and write the directions down and it might not make a whole lot of sense. But as soon as you demonstrate it in, in a video or on camera or on a stream, everybody goes, oh, that I see how he's doing it. I, that completely makes, yeah. completely, you know, makes complete sense now because we're visual thinkers uh, versus abstract thinkers. People who can read an instruction and understand it tend to be abstract thinkers, right? People who often uh, get into engineering and you know, those kind of things, mathematics, right, tend to be very uh, abstract thinkers versus the artistics that, you know, is a visual thinker. And it's two thoughts on that kind of subject matter. But yeah, um, you just got to play and everybody's just got to play with your colors, play with their paints. You know, um, it's kind of like anybody out there, which I'm sure any of the listeners uh, who've built their own computers mm-hmm. uh, and have had very little experience beforehand, before you actually made that leap into it, right? You did research, you did, you, you, you watched some videos and, you know, you read some books and, you know, you got some advice and then you dove in, right? And miniature painting is kind of the same thing. And it's not going to click until you actually start making some boo-boos. Oh, oh, I messed that up. Oh, because it's going to cost you a couple hundred bucks to replace that part now, right? You didn't, you forgot to clear the static off your hands or you didn't put that oh. bolt in properly or you, you connected the wire backwards or, you know what I mean? There's these many, 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 many little mistakes that you can make assembling a computer for yourself. It's very, it's very gratifying and rewarding. And it's, uh, you know, you obviously feel a real great sense of accomplishment after doing it. And miniature painting can be the same way. You know, when you've spent hours and hours on a cloak and you've got this really beautiful blend, or maybe you've, you've freehanded in this little scroll work into the sides and, you know, you've created the light transition. So how it, you know, the color changes as it goes into a fold and comes back out onto a highlight and, you know, and you've spent a great deal of time and it actually is very rewarding to actually mm-hmm. take the time to do something like that. Right. And yeah. And, you know, assembling computers is kind of the same thing. And you just, you know, yeah, you just got to, first of all, start doing it. And, you know, of course, you can't be afraid to make mistakes either. And, you know, when you're assembling computers, it gets kind of costly. But I've often said, all education costs. All education costs money. And if you're assembling computers, you know, for a learning experience and also to save yourself some bucks, eh, not likely because your education is going to cost you money. And miniature painting is the same way. Every endeavor in which you're going to learn will cost you money in some fashion. So don't let, but still don't let that make you afraid to pay. Just be aware that that's, that's the cost. I don't, don't yes, play, def- not oh, pay, yeah, def- play. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Don't be afraid. Oh my gosh. Yes. Don't be afraid. Um, dive in both feet. Just start playing just like a kid in the mud. Just dive right in, start playing. You're not going to, you're not going to learn. I can tell Like I said, I can tell you how many different ways to thin a color to apply it to your brush, you know what I mean? Until you actually start doing it yourself, you're not going to learn. You're not going to, it's not going to sink in. And, you know, it, it, it's important to play. It's important to learn. And of course, you know, do not be afraid to fail. Everybody fails. And if you're paying attention, those are your greatest moments of learning yeah. is when you fail. Failure teaches right? a lot more than success does. Yes, definitely. Definitely. 100%. No. Or, well, maybe 99.9. That, that hard 100%, that's legally dubious. So the 99.99 is 
that's, that's yeah. Nothing I, some, for, for me, nothing is ever 100% or zero. It's always point something other off. Yeah. It's not quite absolute. <laughs> I don't live by complete absolutes. Is there a concept in painting that you feel is currently the most important or central to your style of painting? Like an approach to color, an approach to light, an approach to preparation or, or the way you work with miniatures. That's kind of like, this is kind of what defines your style right now. Um, I often will gear my information, my tutorials and a lot of my work, uh, towards newer people, because there's always seems to be this large influx of newer people. Mm -hmm. So I often will, you know, gear my information towards those, um, which renders a lot of my information, uh, passively looking like I'm intermediate and not advanced and you know, whatever. Right. Yeah. Uh, I really have lost perspective on what is, uh, you know, a novice to in advanced type of technique, mm -hmm. because when you really think about brush techniques, well, like glazing, glazing gets held as an advanced technique and it's not, it's layering. Yeah. It's all it is with thinned out paint. Mm -hmm. You could buy paint that thin and just work with it in that state. Does that make it an advanced? No, it's just, just a particular material and a particular technique you know what I mean? Like it's again, I've, I have personally, I throughout my years, I have lost a lot of perspective as to what is a noob technique and what is an advanced technique. The dry brushing, dry brushing is one of my big gripes that dry brushing is a noob technique, even though it is like the first technique that we pick up um, and uh, is one of the easier ones, but because it can yield us great results quite quickly but there's a lot of nuance to dry brushing mm -hmm. that you have to master and good dry brushing uh, can almost look indistinguishable from airbrushing if you do it right. But one of the, one of the key factors into achieving that is the, is the three fundamentals As assembly, cleaning your model properly, mold lines, you know, things of that nature, gap filling, that stuff, mm -hmm. uh, priming, not over priming your model using the appropriate primer of what you're painting. So if you're going to paint, you know, a white scar, you don't prime it black, you prime it white, right? If you're going to paint it yellow, you prime it white, or at least a light gray. Uh, if it's going to be a, you know, black model or dark blue, or it's going to be a dark paint job, prime it black then. Go ahead. But oftentimes with color primers, the tendency is to end up over priming a model. And primer is only to provide a surface for paint to hold on to. It's not to provide... Uh, a solid backing because mm -hmm. the opacity of the paint will fill in areas that, you know, otherwise you would see the under material show through. You just throw a few thin layers down. And then of course the third fundamental being laying down a smooth base coat. And that is one of the key ones that I highly recommend for new people to spend time learning, doing it and mastering it because when you know how to apply a good, smooth base coat on a model, a lot of other aspects of miniature painting start to snap into focus. It's it, that it's it's kind of building to your own eureka type of moment when you begin to master the base coat and how to apply a smooth base coat onto a model. Because laying down a nice smooth base coat requires you to thin the paint down more than you might normally would, especially if you are new to this hobby. 
And somebody who's brand new to this hobby doesn't even know that they should thin their paint down other than hearing it. Oh, you should thin your paint. Well, how far? How far should a new person thin their paint? Oh, there's a consistency of milk. What kind of milk? 2%? Half and half? Whole milk? Like skim? Whole milk? Like heavy cream? Heavy cream? Like, you know, what, what are we talking about here, right? And so, you know, again, that's why it, it's just people regurgitating information and not sharing their own experience when they've had that eureka moment, if mm. they've even had it, mm. which is unfortunate. But, you know, and this age that we are in, you know, everybody wants to share their opinion. Everybody, you know, wants to, to be right. You know, and unfortunately that's, that's something that's, you know, a symptom of our, of our day and age is everybody wants to be right. And that's where, you know, obviously when I'm talking about, you know, not being afraid to fail, that's where that comes in as well, because it takes a great deal of humility to realize that, yeah, I'm going to fail at this, but that's okay because I'm going to learn, right? As long as I'm paying attention and I'm open to what I'm doing. And as long as I'm conscious of what I'm doing, I can learn and I can, Oh, I messed that up. I see what I did. I pushed the color too far. Oh, I didn't apply thick enough. Oh, I didn't do this. And of course you also, the, the other key aspect of good miniature painting is consistency, how you gather your paint, how you draw your paint into your bristles. And of course, how you uh, master your brush stroke along a model surface, all these factors play into uh, consistency and, um, you know, being a better miniature painter. If we're going to get really technical about things. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. That's some, that's some really good insight. I've definitely noticed, um, as I continue to practice and, um, hopefully, you know, get better and better. And, and I have been, um, the way my brush applies paint really, really does have a massive impact on the finish. And, um, figuring out how to get that same finish on areas that are really hard to reach as opposed to trying to stipple, which will mess up the finish. And if the finish won't match is, uh, is something that I've only honestly only really recently became super aware of just because I was, because of the amount of concentration I'm trying to spend on getting these types of smooth base coats and consistent finish. Um, which is something that I think is, is, is important for a lot of, a lot of miniature painters to do. And it's something I, I never really focused on, but I, I definitely see how those consistent paint application has a big impact. I'm figuring that, that out because I'm allowing myself to play in, in, in your own terms. I don't think I was thinking of it that same in that, in that same way, but, um, after your explanation, yeah, that's that's literally what I'm doing. I'm letting myself play and try new ways of applying the paint in a more consistent manner, and um, I'm and I am definitely seeing I'm definitely seeing the results from that. Oh yeah, definitely. And, and again, it's it's because it's it's snapping in your brain. It's you know you're you're, you're having those eureka moments. They, they might not be a grand flash of inspiration and oh it's more like oh i get it oh yeah. okay that makes more sense 
oh, I get it. And so you're having many more small eureka moments rather than one big, oh my God, and, you know, palm on the forehead kind of thing, right? It's just, oh, okay, that makes sense. And keep going. Oh, I get it, you know? And you have many of those little small ones. And I think that one's better. Uh, but we tend to overlook those because, you know, they're not as grandiose as the, sure. I did it. I figured it out. I, you know, this and that and put these together and it becomes this. And, you know, it's, you know, I think really that's, that's kind of, you know, where we think we should be, we should have when in fact, no, I think it's really, it's better to have many little ones and, you know, steadily become better because uh so much of it is you know baby steps and you know it's practice of course as well and it's being conscious of what you're doing being very deliberate in what you're doing don't just ah, i'm just gonna grab this paint ah, i'm just gonna grab this ah, i'll use this brush and uh you know being rather willy-nilly about it and not really being conscious of what you're doing you might learn something and that might feel like a great eureka moment because you weren't paying attention to what you're doing. But if you are being very deliberate and how you do things, being methodical and consistent, you'll have little eureka moments because you'll be like, oh, okay. Yeah, I remember last time I didn't thin this far enough and I was playing with this color and I had this as my undercoat and, you know, and I was working along and, oh, okay, I know what I did there. And, you know what I mean? And you have many more of those kinds of moments rather than, ah, just grab this and this and this. Ha, it worked out great, you know, mm. and it's, you know, yeah, I don't have those kind of moments where it's, yeah, you know, run. it's more, ah, okay. It worked, you know, cool. when you're starting a new project for yourself, what's the first thing that you do? The first thing I do when I'm starting on a new project myself, Oof. um, the first thing I, I really start to do is obviously I conceptualize, um, color i start thinking in color um i don't really think about you know assembly uh if i was gonna look at maybe converting it it all depends these days a lot of times my my miniature painting is for demonstrative purposes so i often am only assembling to demonstrate to educate and I'm very rarely painting for myself, painting for my own gratification. Unless, of course, I can achieve it by the demonstration. If it's something I had not done before or, you know, played with a particular color or played on a particular model or what have you, right? Um, but otherwise, yeah, my miniature painting, no, it is mostly, it's mostly work because for the, almost the last decade now, miniature painting is not a hobby for me. It's work. It's, it's become my career. And not since that I've actually started working for mini wargaming have I felt like I was back on my career path being, you know, because I went to college for art, mm -hmm. you know, do I feel like I'm actually on my career path again, right? And yeah, so miniature painting, I, I, it's, it's not a hobby for me. It's not, it's not quiet time for me. It's not my, you know, my busy work week. I was, you know, uh, you know, studying for exams or anything like that, or, you know, pr having a big presentation for the boss on, you know, selling real estate or anything like that. Like any of the other 
regular nine to five type of gigs. And then I get to come home and spend an hour or two assembling some space Marines, getting some paint on them. You know what I mean? Miniature painting is not that for me. Yeah. It is work. Yeah. And so all my projects, not all my projects, but most of my projects are with the thought of what can I demonstrate with this? And then after that, I have that thought, it's what colors can I play with? What colors would be fun to play with on the surface? For example, for example, Necrons, the new Necrons from Indominus. Uh, there was only going to be so many ways people were going to be painting these. And with this particular canvas, you kind of already know how it's going to get painted, right? And I want to do something fun. I had an idea a while ago. I was going to demonstrate on a model that I already have in my collection. I was going to mm-hmm. put, a, um, I was going to do the, um, the, the doom scythe, the croissant. Yeah. Uh, I was going to do that in a chrome paint. And I was going to demonstrate that as a video, you know, playing around with that. And I was going to do, you know, uh, oil washes and, you know, I was going to do a bunch of stuff uh, in the usual aspect of, you know, just demonstrating something for fun. But then, you know, the opportunity came out uh, to play with the the Indomitus stuff. And I was like, I'll just do that on the Necrons. And after I did it, it all made all the Necrons look like from Terminator. And I was like, F yeah, like, this is great. And then I decided, okay, well, I've tried uh, some bright colors for the eyes. And I was like, because I want, because immediately thinking Necrons, new Necrons, Chrome, Terminators, they got to have the glowing eyes and the black guns. So that's what we're doing. And of course, then I was playing and I was like, oh, I didn't, the colors weren't bright enough. So then I busted out the fluorescence. And I was like, yeah, Chrome with the fluorescence. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, I've been playing with um, inks to get like uh, almost like a heat tempered look on the blades and, and just playing. And again, that was just purely playing. I had an initial idea. Um, and, you know, for to for for my own um, sanity, I. I try to think of different ways of doing things in miniature painting just to keep myself sane, because if I show because like I said earlier, I don't like to repeat myself too often. And even you may notice throughout the videos, some of them, you know, tread very familiar ground, but I branch off as long as I, if I can branch off somewhere and do it a little bit differently then in my own OCD brain, I go, okay, it was different. It wasn't exactly the same. So, you know, I don't have to like, you know, uh, flag myself here um you know i was gonna say flatulence but that's that's the wrong word but anyway um yeah so that's often the way i go about it um it's usually like what can i demonstrate with this and then i think about the color and then i think about technique and then you know material material is usually the last what paints am i going to show sure because most of the time i I show citadel but that's because it's it's the common denominator. Mm-hmm. It's it's what's readily available for everybody. So you know, because I know invariably if I show it in scale seventy five, somebody's gonna go, "Well, what color is that in Citadel?" Ugh. All right, well, screw it. I'm doing it all in Citadel then, right? Uh, I could do a um, a thing at the beginning or end of the video where you know Citadel color and it's these same yeah, colors. Just do it like a lines. do like a five page conversion chart. I mean, that's super simple, right? 
yeah, it, you know, that's totally worth my time to do, right? Yeah, so, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, and um, but yeah, that that's usually how I go about um, about my projects is just you know because it is largely demonstrational. That is my primary concern. What am I going to show? And then, of course, it's color. Well, what colors am I going to do? What is going to be that um, kind of wow factor, right? And then I move on to other aspects, you know, technique. What am I going to show? How am I going to show? Am I going to show by regular old layering? Am I going to show by wet blending? Am I going to show by feathering, you know, dry brushing? What am I going to do, right? And then what materials? So, mm. yeah. But, um yeah, that's that's usually my process. But like I said, it's it's work related. Um, yeah, this miniature painting not a hobby for me. Yeah, that's an, on on but, one hand, it's really exciting that you're able to do that. You know, for for a oh, career. I consider myself very lucky. Yeah, on, on one hand, that's really exciting. But on the other hand, that's it's kind of sad that it's it's not a <laughs> hobby anymore. And and it actually brings up a question um, for me is. If you aren't, if you aren't painting for yourself with miniatures and just for your own enjoyment, how are you pushing your own skill? How are you continuing to develop your own skill if most of the time you are communicating to people, this is how you do this? So presumably you're communicating things you've already figured out. How are you going about? develop continuing to develop your own skill and techniques if you're not taking time to do this on your own well excellent question um i don't know um i like to think the aspect of figuring out a new way to do things and playing will keep it fresh for me and allow me to continue to learn. I like I I've been doing this stuff 30 years. And I've now it's not 30 years straight. It's you know there was breaks because you know I had a family and you know what I mean like there's been breaks. Yeah, all the pesky real usually life things. Real life things, yeah, exactly, you know. And when I was young, usually I was between girlfriends, you know. So um so yeah, ex that's that's an excellent question. How can I push myself to become better? And I honestly do not have a very good answer for that because it's not my goal. Just like okay. the, just like the competitions, they're not my goal. My goal is to inform and educate and entertain. That's the goal. Uh, I want to continue to be able to do this because I've been so fortunate up to this point and I want the good times to continue to roll. Sure. And so I, I know I have something to offer and I know I have a lot of experience with many materials, many te te techniques, you know, and many years in this hobby that I know I have something to offer and so that's, you know, where I really put most of my effort and thought. But as far as like technique, I, I mean, not to sound like, uh, 
I've got a big head about it, but through my whole body of tutorials I've created for Mini Wargaming and on my channel, I don't know if there's anything I haven't shown as far as technique is concerned, as far as miniature painting is concerned. I've shown it to many varying degrees, being applied in a fairly novice sort of fashion to a more nuanced, expertly type of fashion. Mm-hmm. Now, when people have aspirations becoming a much greater painter, um, say, for example, someone like Richard Gray, who I've, I've met, a really nice guy, and a fantastic painter. He's magic. And I look at his work, and, and his, his work is fantastic. But I don't have aspirations to paint to that mm-hmm. degree. First of all, I don't have the time. I'm too busy because this is work. This isn't a hobby. This isn't something that occupies my free time. My free time, I'm usually spending with my family or pursuing other things, um, which me often means that my painting and my create and other creative endeavors, photography and other, these, all these other aspect, other aspects I consider a part of myself as, as an artist, you know, I, they get kind of shelved because so much of my effort goes into producing videos, because as you know, you know, it's, there's a lot of work that goes into content creation for Twitch and YouTube. Yep. And I mean, today, I mean, like I, I produced a brand new video. It's a 4k video. Now, I don't know if you've ever worked with a 4k video, but the file sizes are much larger and it's much more taxing on your system and takes longer to upload and takes longer for YouTube to, uh, you know, convert it. And, you know what I mean? Like there's all these factors that take up time and, you know what I mean? And resources and, you know, so, you know, um, but as far as technique and, you know, uh, employing the, Oh yeah. I, as I was going to mention Richard Gray, the really big difference between a Richard Gray, Andy Wardle, you know, Ben Comets, any of these guys, these really phenomenal artists. The big difference between them and somebody who just goes into a store and buys a pack of miniatures and a pack of paints and starts painting and then goes, why can't I do what they're doing? First of all, is time, mm-hmm. right? Mastering the technique, okay? Ch- whatever chosen technique they've wanted, they've cho- they've decided to pursue which makes sense for them personally because mastery is a personal thing and it is also mastery of color they have their own preferences for color use if you look at say for example richard gray's minute models look pay one close attention to one aspect of them ignore the model okay and ignore the technical aspect of what he's done other than the light source. And you'll see it's consistent across his recent work. It's a consistent light source and he's doing across his pieces. They're all lit from the same angle. Mm. And it's, it's what changes is his use of color. The technique in which he employs is the same. He's mastering it. And I'm sure he still probably considers himself 
mastering it as well. I wouldn't, I wouldn't assume he would assume that he is a master of it, although he obviously is, but I'm sure he considers himself, himself still a student of that particular technique in which he's employing to achieve his desired results, which probably, and most likely, and this goes for probably every miniature painter out there, is all techniques. It is not one technique. It's not just dry brushing. It's not just glazing. It's not just wet on wet blending. It's not just feathering. It's not just, you know, it's all of them. They're all the, they're all spectrums of the same rainbow. You take out one, you diminish the rainbow and miniature painting is the same way and brush technique and these aspects, they're all part of that spectrum and they all have to be there. They're all part of it. They're baked in. And, you know, you, you can't just simply say, oh, no, I'm just going to just pick on this one and I'm going to do a model because it's not going to work. You're just, you're, you're being very narrow-minded about a whole thing and you're basically walking around with little horse blinders on them. You know, it's, it's, you're, I mean, I, I can't, I, again, it, it just offends my sensibilities <laughs> as an artist in which, you know, um, art is an expression. And if you're willing to be so narrow of vision in that regard, what other aspects of one's life are they walking around with horse blinders on? That there's, and again, I, I talked talk about it this earlier, but throwing purity seals on a Necron and then getting upset with somebody because they did that, it seems ridiculous. Why not? Why can't those be on them? Why can't a skull or, you know, a cape? You know what I mean? Like, who cares? <laughs> it's yeah. whatever they want. If this is truly an art, then you can do whatever you want. And it can be any, can express any idea. But oftentimes it, it is not, which is why, I, I mean, I always flip flop between the two, between it being an art and not yeah, being a craft, yeah. right? What's something you want to try with a miniature, but you're hesitant to? Something I want to try that I'm hesitant to. Oh man. I, again, I, I don't know. Um, not to, again, not to sound big headed, but I mean like there, there really isn't a lot to applying pigment to a surface. There's no mysteries in miniature painting. There's none. It's all pretty straightforward. Everything is a play off of each other. And, you know, it becomes more nuanced the further along you go. Sorry to spoil anybody's, you know, expectations of miniature painting, but there's really no big secrets. It, it is really only time. Yeah. Um, but something that I've wanted to do my idea of painting a model in the fewest strokes, that's a thought I've had. Hmm. I've never tried it yet, but painting a model in the fewest strokes, say you get a hundred. Can you paint a miniature in a hundred strokes from a stroke of, of paint, right? Or simply do whatever brush to the surface and away is a stroke, right? In the fewest strokes. Now, having said that, I've had the idea of painting a model like that, truly being a way of the brush, samurai, kill, 
within the, you know, the fastest, quickest single stroke, right? Painting in a similar aspect, applying that same kind of theory. Now, with that, you could have a metric for a painting competition. Because whoever can paint within the fewest strokes. How would you measure that? The fewest strokes. Yeah, but if I if somebody painted the miniature at home and then they came to the... You'd have to record it or demonstrate oh. it live. Okay. Okay. It would really display your mastery, wouldn't it? I could definitely see that. <laughs> crazy ideas, man. You know, these are just crazy ideas. Yeah, it's um, not a bad idea, but, though. It's an interesting, it's an interesting content idea. But yeah, painting a miniature in the fewest brushstrokes. You know, setting a challenge for yourself. A thousand? How many brushstrokes do we do in a, in a miniature? I've mm-hmm. never really given it much thought. Sometimes I can spend 50 brushstrokes on just a shoulder pad. You know? So mm-hmm. how many brushstrokes is an entire miniature? What about wet blending? I mean, wet blending is that one stroke? Is it one stroke? <laughs> like, you're, just yeah, putting, I don't... you're putting the brush down once and you're just wiggling it back and forth. You don't take it up until right. you're done with that little bit. Is that one stroke or is each swish a stroke? Like, how do you define I, I would this? Consider it, I would consider it one. But somebody who... um you know, was employing the paint in a much more deliberate fashion could achieve a similar result in a single stroke. Rather than like, say, for example, you had, you know, blue to black and you were taking the blue and you're, and you're, you're moving the color back and forth. Right. Yeah. Versus you take a size appropriate brush with the color, both colors on the brush. And then, oh, geez, I'm getting excited. I'm banging into stuff. And you know what I mean? And you did it in a single stroke. That's the kind of thing I'm thinking about. Like, imagine a painting a miniature in 35 brush strokes. You mm-hmm. only can do it 35, but you have all the colors in front of you. You have all sorts of array, different brushes, different sizes, you know? And then just, and you know what I mean? And the objective is to simply uh, paint a space marine with highlights and shadows and, you know, with the insignia. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like it's, it's a crazy ass idea. I realize, but you know, yeah, but it's interesting. But you know, what could you imagine getting, you know, an array of, of painters? Okay. You're all going to paint the same thing. You all have access to the same colors. You all have access to the same kind of brushes. The fewest strokes go. That would, that would be a true measure of brush skill. Would they all have to do the same colors and the same color scheme? No. Hmm. No. No. Because that's, again, that would be where the artistic part comes in. A little bit of, of expression because also, you know, it also contributes to the wow factor of it as well because somebody might employ color more differently because there are many painters out there. Uh, personally, I like bright, bold colors, mm-hmm. but I know there's many painters out there who like more desaturated painters are painters, more colors or more subdued 
or desaturated or you know what i mean like there's there's many different styles out there and many different vibes uh to way of painting a miniature for me personally i mean for um, miniature painting was mostly a means to an end i wanted my models painted so that i could play with sure and you know it, it was my pastime but i mean like it was also you know buddy time as well because we i'd get together with my buddies we'd sit down and paint and then we'd all play and you know what i mean and you know it was a very communal kind of thing right and it it, it was um i kind of lost my train of thought on on where i was going with that but yeah no worries um that that's really just about it. I, I guess I, I, I can't remember where I was going to make that go with that point, but yeah. <laughs> well, then let's, uh, let's go on to the next question here. What's the biggest challenge you've faced as a miniature painter? Keeping it fresh. Okay. Staying, ex- staying excited about, painting a model something that i've painted a hundred times before you know that's always a challenge that's that's my biggest challenge is staying excited about things and you know but like as far as a new paint not really i don't get excited about new paints they're all the same water-based acrylics are all the same mm-hmm. um brushes Sable or synthetic, I lean very heavy on sables, but synthetics are still part of my arsenal. Um, but I don't get excited about brushes. They're all the same, right? The, they're very, like, the nitpicky aspects of all those things are highly subjective and matter of opinion. So what, what is that worth? Um, and, you know, so yeah, the, the, the trickiest aspect is getting excited you know and the only time that happens is when i'm sitting at my desk and i'm staring at my projects and clearing stuff off my desk i'm gonna get some assembly done so i gotta get this or that to work and then it's like oh yeah i remember this model i was you know i was really excited about this one when i picked it up and i was gonna demonstrate this you know what this week i'm gonna demonstrate this i'm gonna sit down instead of talking about it i'm gonna do it and it's more or less just kind of a pull your socks up kind of thing and enough flapping my gums about it. Let's just sit down and start doing it. And, you know, um, but as far as, you know, yeah, staying excited about things, mm-hmm. it's really just challenging myself. You know, how many different ways can I demonstrate to paint black? How many different ways can I demonstrate that? How many permutations sure. of technique material? you know, can we go through, you know, so Without it becoming tired and, and boring and it's just to repeat. They've seen plenty of, uh, right. Seen plenty of tutorial makers answer people's like, Hey, can you show me how to paint a corn berserker? It's like, well, I did take my blood angel tutorial and use that because you can, it's, it's just another way to paint red. Like you paint red, you can paint yeah. red. It's like I totally see that how it, it feels like you're doing the same thing over and over and over and over again, and just figuring out how to keep 
the, uh, a fresh perspective. I, I see how that would be a major challenge. It, yeah, it, and it is. And the the key to that, and if anybody or any of them are listening, um, challenge yourself. Mm. Come up with a new way. Um, again, like not to sound like you know I know it all, but you know I'm I don't see much innovation these days in in any in any model or miniature or anything like that. And a lot of them remind me of stuff I've seen 20 years ago. And that's that's not to be dismissive of their current efforts or anything like that. I mean, it's just, you know, kind of you've seen it, it been there, done that kind of thing, right? And, but I'm always on the lookout for um, a new way of doing something. Somebody, because somebody out there is currently thinking of a way to paint something that I've never even considered that the rest of us have never even considered. And I'm always on the lookout for those people and not too often do I find it. It's very rare. I can't remember the last time I've, I've seen it that somebody demonstrated something that I'd never seen before, a new mm. way of doing new technique, new way of you employing a particular material or, you know, just a new way of doing some new way of looking at something uh, very rare. That's very, very rare. Usually everything else is, it's because I mean, like the nature of miniature painting, painting like this way we paint, we follow the traditional color wheel for the most part. Yeah. And that's, uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. So the very nature of painting, and even if we're applying it to a miniature, the techniques we employ have been well established for years, mm -hmm. for years. There's, there's nothing innovative. I know somebody had made the comment, uh, one time, and this is no disrespect to, uh, to Ben, but, uh, Ben, uh, champions, uh, a loaded brush technique. Mm -hmm. And somebody had said, well, he, Ben invented the loaded brush technique. And I said, well, he didn't invent it. He's, he's championing it, no. but he's, he didn't invent it. My and grand, my granddad, Bob did. yeah, Sorry. Bob Ross demonstrated it hundreds of times. Mm -hmm. And my granddad, my granddad was a woodworker and he, there was a style of painting that he used to paint flowers and things like that on his, the stuff that he's woodworked is basically loaded brush. Oh, I don't remember mm -hmm. what the, there's an official term for it. There's an actual term for it, but I don't, I don't know what the, yeah. the term is, but it, it's been extant for a long time. Well, and, and the other aspect of, you know, being on the hunt for uh, a new way of doing something. Um, I also don't look to miniature painters. Like when I'm looking yeah. at like art airbrushing, like if I'm, if I'm, you know, I'm feeling like something out of my airbrushing knowledge is missing and I, I'm, I'm looking for that answer. I don't look at other war gamers um, because nobody employ, no war gamer employs the air the way it's, it's um, properly supposed to be used. Mm -hmm. um, everybody uses like a spray gun and only illustration artists, people working on gas tanks, auto body or actual canvas work or illustration board, that kind of stuff. They use the airbrush the way it's intended. It's a, it's a brush. It's a paintbrush. It's not a spray gun, right? They're employing the tool properly. We don't as miniature painters, we don't. And so I don't often look to miniature painters for airbrushing, uh, 
tips, tricks, secrets, or anything like that, mm-hmm. right? Gleaning any kind of information. And yeah, and so it's usually those sources I'll go to um, for, you know, taking a much more simplified approach to miniatures and model making and painting. Uh, I often look at scale modelers. Scale modelers mm-hmm. have been doing this stuff for years. Weathering. All these weathering techniques using pigments or oil washes, pin wash, whatever the hell you want to call it. That's been around for years since I was a kid when I was painting my Star Trek ships. That was the way people did their models and people losing their minds. No, this is brand new. No, it's brand new to you. It's been around for a long time. Painting itself, this whole hobby itself has been around for centuries. Painting it, like putting pigment onto a surface, it's been around for centuries. Millennia, if we're going to get really pedantic about it. Mm -hmm. But yeah. So yeah, I'm always on the lookout for something, something like that. And personally, I suspect it's going to come from somebody who does not have the resources because oftentimes those without the resources uh, innovate to a new way of thinking. Um, Necessity is the mother of invention. Mm Mm-hmm. If you have all the paints and all the brushes, you have the money to buy all these things, you are not innovating squat because you don't have to. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to think about it, right? Even like myself, but with brush technique or this or that, right? I don't have to, like, I'm not troubled by the idea of how I'm going to paint something. I'm not, those are, those are not even factors in my thoughts. Um, whereas somebody who, who's, who's struggling for that information, who's, who's hungry for that. They're going to come up with a new way of doing something. They're going to come up with a new, a new way of thinking. Yeah. And that's what excites me. And I look for that. That's who I'm looking for. That's great. No, that's, that's really good. What's been your biggest disappointment or failure on a project? Biggest disappointment or failure? Well, I've had many, many failures, but I don't let my failures get me down because my failures are learning moments. And, you know, personal growth moments, uh, disappointments. I think I probably have quite a few of those as well. And I would say that my disappointments are incomplete projects, something that I had a lofty goal for and I never completed, Mm -hmm. um, of which there are many, 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 too many, but there are a lot, you know, um, project, a model I bought. And I was like, oh, I'm going to totally do this. I'm going to get this done and we'll do this. And, you know, be really kick-ass. And, you know, it'll be fun. Ten years later. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, yeah. Of failures, I'm not too worried about my failures. My failures are learning experiences, so they don't bother me. But the disappointments, yeah, they do bother me because, yeah, because I, I see it on my shelf. And I'm like, oh, right, I was supposed to get that done. Or, oh, I, I wanted to do this and never got around to it. So, yeah, disappointments, there's, there's quite a few, quite a few. I, don't, I couldn't name them all. We'd be here all night. This, it would just be a show of me just getting sadder and sadder and sadder <laughs> near the end of the episode because I'm listing off all of my disappointments. Can you tell us what your disapp- some of your disappoints have taught you? Disappointments have taught me. I, I definitely would say um, to get off my rear and stop procrastinating. Um, and one of the biggest things I think that plagues a lot of, you know, hobbyists, miniature painters, is procrastination. 
again, waiting for inspiration, waiting for something that's not going to happen. Um, you know, you just got to knuckle down, get to it, get on it, start working on it. There's no tomorrow, it's just today. So what are you going to get done today? And just get to it. No, no more, you know, pussyfooting around. Just start doing it. And, you know, and that is the only way you're going to get better at painting is to sit down and actually start doing it. Stop living up in your head. Stop overthinking things. Just start doing it. Just do it. Sounds like a sneaker ad or something, but. Nike. <sighs> is this show sponsored by Nike? No, unfortunately. Will we get a cut? No. Oh, damn it. I uh, know. Wasted opportunity. What's something that you did that you think you did incredibly well, but nobody really noticed? Oh, man. <laughs> There's quite a few of those, too. Uh, I have usually a lot of my work dealt, uh, involves, involves a lot of tutorials and stuff like that. And so I'll spend a lot of time on a model doing very careful blends and being neat and, you know, dotting the I's, crossing the T's kind of thing, right? Spending, you know, it'll have a lot of footage and I'll break it down to like, you know, I'll have hours of footage and I'll break it down to a five minute video. Mm. It's going to be really concise and I'm going to narrate it really well. And it's going to be, it's going to be just a really great video. And it's going to be very informative. I've, nobody's ever seen this before. I'm very excited about it. And then it's, you know, nothing, nothing happens. Nobody cares. Then of course I make a video. It's, I filmed it in like 10 minutes. It's a 10 minute video and it only took me 10 minutes to film. I like no editing and it's me doing something really mundane. And, you know, I just show, you know, painting an eyeball and everybody loses their mind. And it's like, well, what the, you know, so, <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's the nature of the internet, I suppose. And it's, you know, all these things. And yeah, it's, it's spending a lot of time on something and it's not received at all. And it's just every, and it's just, you know, nobody gets it either. Nobody gets it or nobody cares or both. And then mm -hmm. it's something that I think, I think is mundane and boring, but people want it. And so I show it and people lose their minds over it. And it's like, well, what the heck? Right. So. Yeah. yeah how do you rationalize that? How do you like, are there any lessons you've taken from that? Um, just that, you know, the internet's full of fickle mush heads. Um, just, just insult everybody. Um, it's, it's be consistent. Mm -hmm. Consistency really is one of the key factors in life in this hobby. And this hobby is a reflection of our own lives and how we, how we deal with things and, you know, how we treat our hobby is, is a mirror of how we, you know, we go about our lives. And, um, spending a lot of time on something and, and not risk being received well, the times that it failed stung and I remember them, but the times that it worked, I just kind of. Okay, it worked and, you know, moved on. Mm -hmm. But as long as you're consistent about how you go about it and creating the thing and, and creating your thing, 
as long as you're consistent about it. Yeah, sometimes there'll be hits and sometimes there'll be misses. But as long as you're consistent, if it's consistently a miss, then you need to change. If it's consistently a hit, then keep going. Why not, right? Always have the goal of improving and becoming better and mastering your craft, whatever aspect it is. But yeah, so yeah, it's the biggest thing is consistency. And that goes for anything in life, really. Be consistent. Awesome. What's the biggest risk you've taken with a miniature project that's paid off for you? Oof, don't even know. Um, again, I, I, because I don't have perspective as to what is new, what is old, what is, you know, what is difficult, what is advanced, what is new, novice, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like taking a risk, I, the only risk I suppose I would take in this aspect of miniature painting is, is color choices, I suppose. It's color choice. It's really about it. Subject matter, it's pretty tame, right? Miniature painting doesn't offer a lot of controversy in that regard as far as uh, expressing a truth or uh, an idea that is, you know, not uh, popular, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, as far as hard choices and things like that, it doesn't really factor, you know, uh, I'm not a, I'm not a fearful soul. I'm not afraid to take chances in, in, in a lot of aspects of my life. And, you know, when I am presented a new opportunity, it's exactly that an opportunity something new it's something exciting it's something to be explored i when i'm presented with new stuff i'm sure i'm apprehensive but i don't let that stop me from from seeing the opportunity that it presents mm -hmm. whether it's you know a positive or negative remains to be seen but you know so yeah i i don't i don't view things in that kind of lens of you know oh i don't know if i should do this or not Oh, I don't know, you know, um, I'll do it. You know what I mean? Like if, if I think it'll get a reaction, yeah, I'll sculpt boobs onto a space ring. Why not? <laughs> I'll paint them, you know, big floppy ones, right? Like whatever. You know what I mean? Like if, if, if my goal was to provoke, then yeah, I would do it. I wouldn't be afraid to do it. You know, if I was going to, you know, make some sort of social comment about something with the piece, which good art does, mm -hmm. by the way, which is what is lacking in miniature painting as far as I've seen, which is why, again, it's, it's like a thermometer. It's like, you know, the little needle on the speakers, you know, and it's giving you the decibels and stuff like that. It's like, ah, is it art? No, it's not. It's yeah, no. It goes back and yeah. forth. Yeah, I, I go back and forth all the time. <laughs> and, you know, that's, again, it's, it's really what kind of mood I'm in and whether or not I really want to be high-minded about this kind of stuff 
mm-hmm. or if I just want to play with my little toys, right? It all depends, right? Do I just want to sit there and play with my little dudes men, or do I want to, you know, this this is this is going to be held up on a pedestal. This is the 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 pinnacle of this, you know, or is it me just making pew pew sounds with my little army men, right? Which is it? It can be both, but which is it? What's been the biggest triumph in your painting journey so far? Being able to do this as a job. Being fortunate enough that even despite where I'm currently at, I can still do this. Considering myself very, very fortunate that I have the support of friends, family, and, and, and fans that I can continue to do this and continue to make a living because even almost we're almost on a decade of doing this professionally of creating tutorials and making videos, you know? Yeah. And I consider myself very, very fortunate to be in this position to, to be able to do this. And, you know, I hope that I can continue to do it. I do have plans for the future because, you know, I mean, I'm getting older and I'm, I'm, I'm finding that I'm having a hard time focusing on things. And there's a small window now in which, um, I'm, um, I'm able to hold my brush, you know, well, (laughs) you know, so I know the day will come that both of those things will fail me. And so, you know, what then, right? Yeah. It's oftentimes when I'm thinking about about how we're going to be remembered. Legacy, I guess, is really what it is, right? It's legacy. What is Chris's legacy? And I would definitely like to be remembered for helping and and inspiring and, you know, having enough knowledge that span decades and decades, three decades that, you know, I happily share with everybody. Cause it's, sometimes it seems like some people who have been in this hobby don't want to share their information. Mm. Oh no, we got to hang on to those secrets. Secrets. Oh uh, no, no. This is what makes me a great painter. Oh, don't look, you know, and that kind of thinking doesn't, doesn't make sense. to me. First of all, anybody who's actually studied art, the, the, there's there's nothing new in miniature painting. <laughs> there's there's nothing. There's I'm sorry, folks. There's there's no big secrets. You know, you want to become a better painter. You want to become a true master. Put in the time. Practice. That is the only thing that is that separates you, a brand new person, from you know those golden demon winners. Is putting in the time to learn. That's it. No, other than I, I, I'm not sure if there's a if there's a reason. Um, I'm not sure if there is an answer for this, but other than your professional motivations, why do you continue painting miniatures? Got bills to pay, man. That's because it's the job. 
it's the job, man. It's the job. Yes, I I am uh, one of the rare few that yeah. The question is kind of what, um, mm. yeah. And again, I'm again. It's it's just I'm very fortunate. Uh, I've been blessed to to have an ability to do this, to have the skill set to do this, and to be able to do this for ten years. Because I don't know if anybody I've done this as long as I have. Honestly, I, I I might be able to think of one other person who's probably been doing this as long as I have been making videos online for. You know, tutorials and stuff. And that would be um, uh, Dr. Faust. Mm-hmm. He he might have been doing this just as long as I have. And yeah, that's the only person I can think of that that even comes close. Um, but I'm willing to bet I've got more videos on different subject matters than he does, uh, just because of the body work I created for Mini War Game. Sure. Because the body work that I created there is very substantial what's the best piece of advice you've ever received about painting miniatures i not a lot of advice comes my way um not since i was probably a younger fella man I, man, like even even college, that was twenty years ago. Hmm. It's a long time. I'm trying to even think of just like in general art. I mean, it, it's advice twenty years old. As far as painting miniatures, I mean, like I said, there's really nothing new. So, I mean, when you are trained in in arts and visual arts. You know, you can apply that to to the hobby, and you know, yeah, there's there's very few mysteries, you know, and in fact, there's some skills that are very necessary that aren't talked about in miniature painting. For example, color matching. How mm-hmm. important it is to color match. Um, even uh, it's easier to color match across uh, oil paints than it is acrylics. Acrylics, it's hard to color match. Um, whereas oil paints, it's, it's, it's easier, not easy. It's just easier, but acrylics, yeah, it's, it's difficult to color match. And that's a skill that, uh, should be developed, uh, for anybody who is into, um, you know, mixing their colors. If you're not into mixing your colors, you're not, you haven't reached that point yet, then obviously don't worry about it. Uh, but if you are into mixing your colors and making an interesting new color, especially if you're you know, painting more than one miniature of it. Say you are also a gamer and, you know, you want to have consistency throughout your army, but you have a custom color. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you need you need to be able to identify color and how, how, how much of a particular color is in a color, right? Basically, you're thinking of the primary colors and you're thinking about, you know, how much of every primary is in that color you're looking at, yeah. right? That's color map. That's that's something you you develop in in college because sometimes you have to replicate something, or you're doing a still life and you're replicating what you're looking at because you know a pure red as you see is not pure red. It's a play. You know the shadows, the ambient light, and all these things come into into play. 
I can definitely see how color matching would be would be very uh, useful for people who can't find a paint that's like it's out of print now, like an old GW paint or something like that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Because yeah, because there's so many people out there I see all the time. I used to get this paint. Now they don't sell it no more. I can't get it. Mm-hmm. What's a close approximation? And it's like, well, put that on a put that color out on a swatch and closely examine it, and you should be able to to mix to that color, right? You should be able to get there if you know how to color match. But yeah, it's not something that gets talked about lots. Is color matching how important that skill is? And it's a skill. It is a skill mm-hmm. um, to identify the color. Uh, and how, you know, in the, when you're thinking about pr- the primary and white and black, how much levels it's right. It's like, it's like levels on an, on the equalizer, you know, how much base and how much of this frequency and you know what I mean? And what color you're looking at. Right. Or you could just easily use your phone and freaking just, and it tells you, but <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I just realized that one myself, but yeah, I guess you just. Take your self freaking cell phone out and just take a picture of it. And just oh, it's this hexadecimal code. Oh, okay, great. You know, how do I mix to that hexadecimal code? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> what's your unicorn project? Like, if time and oh. money were not an object, if they were not blockers for you at all. A unicorn project, uh, really, I, I, like miniature painting or overall? Um, miniature painting? Yeah, I'd say I'd say in miniature painting is what most people answer with, but you feel free. Like your, mag- <laughs> your, your, your miniature painting a magnum opus and and maybe a different magnum magnum opus if you got something different too. Uh, as as far as miniature paintings, uh, my unicorn. Yeah, that, that's 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 a tough one. Um, man, it's because it, like there's so many models that I'd, I'd like to paint. I have I like as soon as I see them, I'm like, oh, I'd, I'd do I'd do that. You know, I get a lot of those kind of you know uh, flashes of inspiration and just yeah, that'd be fun to do this and I'll play these, do this or try this technique out or you know, what I mean, like all sorts of ideas, right? Um. My, I have two unicorns outside of miniature painting. One being, uh, I definitely would love to make myself a space marine suit cosplay, Ooh. right? And the other one is, and this one is actually probably a little bit close to achieving because just reasons, um, is I want to do a one to one of Han Solo and Carbonite. All right. And it's, that's, All right. That's relatively easy to accomplish. And yeah. And so I want that adorning my wall. So when I'm sitting on the couch and my, and my, 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 my pet is at my feet, I have everybody around and I'm eating frogs. I can have my one to one Han Solo, um, <laughs> adorning my wall. Um, that, that's, that's one of the big ones. That's a, that's a project that I definitely want to get on. I keep saying this year, I'm going to do it this year. Same with the space ring. I actually started the space ring, but I've kind of lapsed on it and I haven't returned to it just because other crap, but yeah. But as far as like uh, miniatures are concerned, um, man, 
I know I'm going to think of something what after we're done this whole thing, and we're like, oh, that's what it was. But I, there is there is stuff though. Um, I well, got if, ideas. If uh, you do, let me know, and I can add it when I'm <laughs> editing. I'll just say, hey, this is future Ryan. This is what Chris <laughs> said after the interview. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, it's, you know, like they're, they're, like I said, it's, I, you know, especially like a, with, um, a lot of the, um, Citadel stuff, uh, the new Necrons they've been coming out with the new models mm-hmm. for that line is really, really cool. Just those whole killy robots. And yeah. I've been painting them up to look like, uh, from Terminator two. So I'm all I'm seeing those is those Necrons. And all I'm hearing is that music. Dun, 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 dun. And every time I'm holding these little guys, that's the, that's the music playing in my head. And those little laser blaster sounds from their plasma rifles. And yeah. you know what I mean? Like, uh, I'm a big nerd and you know, <laughs> I enjoy these things. They make me smile. And that's what this hobby should be for everybody. And it doesn't seem like it seem like that. Some people seem to be taking this way too seriously. Mm. And this is a hobby. We're all supposed to be enjoying this. This is supposed to be, our our passion project are something that is outside of our normal day to day that we're supposed to, you know, unwind and enjoy and relax, you know, and it just does not seem to be that. And I'm wondering if maybe it is because there's so many of us that are making it our jobs. And That's, so many people have aspirations for making it their job because they go, you know what, geez, I'd love to paint miniatures all day and paid for it. I'm going to start doing it. And so everybody else is doing it. And so more and more people are entering this field of making miniature painting their job, you know, rather than keeping it a hobby in which it may, sh- should, maybe it possibly should have always stayed. I think a lot of people were buying into the idea that if you find a job that you like, you'll never work another day in your life. But that's just not true. Right, right. Yeah, because, you know, it's, you know, it, it, this, this, is, this is a tough game. And... um the commission painting. Oh man, that's, that's a terrible game to get in. No, I've that's, done that. It's awful. Yeah. Yeah. I did almost 20 years ago. And yeah, I, I was her- terrible at it because again, like I said at the beginning, I, I don't like repeating myself Yeah, and commission painting requires you to repeat yourself. Mm-hmm. I don't mind doing little one-offs, things like that, but entire armies. No. No, yeah, the, the idea of painting 101 same, all 100% identical does not inspire me in the slightest. No. In fact, it makes me want to slash my wrist. Like, it's horrible, horrible, horrible. It's, you know, it's a horrible idea. And I don't know why anybody, you know, really wants to take that on. But, I mean, if you're if you're more than happy to take that kind of thing on, God bless you because, I mean, you know, you have a far stronger constitution than me. And, you know, you want to do it. The only thing is, though, is commission painting, um, you know, is it's a tough racket. And 
because there's no consistency in it, it is very, very hard to get consistent, uh, consistent work out of it because there's no consistency in it. Right. And yeah, it's, 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 it's a tough game, tough game. Absolutely. All right. So where can we find you online? Right here. Well, that's good. That's good. Oh, you mean later? Yeah. yeah. Uh, you can find most of my efforts. Well, the a great place to start is wayofthebrush.com. Uh, just like it's spelt in the title there, wayofthebrush.com. Uh, I'm on Twitch. I'm on YouTube. Big presence of my, or most of my work is on YouTube. I do Twitch streams as well. I don't do a lot of Twitch work. Um, I'm just, you know, I'm just not that savvy. I'm not that smart. And uh, most of my work goes to YouTube. And uh, a lot of my effort goes towards um, ensuring value for my patron supporters. Mm -hmm. So that is where a lot of my effort, uh, basically pleasing my paying customers. And... Uh, so far that's, that plan has been working and, um, but yeah, way the brush.com. It has all the links for the social medias. I've got the Instagram. I got the Twitters. Uh, I got the discord way the brush. Um, what else we got? I've got the Facebook page. Um, I think I got a Pinterest. I've got, uh, I got all sorts of crap. Just all you gotta do is type in way the brush or Chris Bellow, as you see it on the screen right there with a K. Um, yeah, you'll find me. You'll find me, no problem. I'm, my face has been all over the internet for the last 10 years. Yeah. So, and, you know, miniature painting and tutorials and Chris Bellow, and you'll, you'll find a bazillion different things on, on me. And I've been doing this for, well, almost 10 years uh, professionally, creating tutorials, forming, educating. Um, now, mind you, some of the stuff that I was creating, like, you know, 10 years ago, uh, a little dated. Uh, yeah. you know, not, not quite up to today's standards, but, uh, you know, as, as any of you hopefully, uh, are looking to improve and I too look to improve. I don't think I'm the master. I'm, <laughs> I've been around the block, but I don't think I am the master of anything. And, you know, I'm always willing to learn and I'm always on the watch out for learning experiences and opportunities. I'm always keeping my eye out for those things. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you, sir, very much. I appreciate you coming on to the, the uh, podcast. I hope you enjoyed the interview. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to support the podcast, please leave the show a quick review on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. Reviews and ratings help others find the podcast, and I would be forever grateful. Links are in the show description. To stay informed of any podcast announcements, you can follow the Miniature Podcast Twitter at The Mini Podcast. You can also submit feedback on that same Twitter channel, or you can send it to TheMiniaturePodcast at gmail.com. You can catch me painting miniatures on Twitch on Tuesday and Friday nights at 6pm Pacific, and follow my personal hobby projects on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok under Useless Wizard. Until next time, remember that painting is good for the soul.